YouTube. All right. Hello, what's up out there? Is this Bruce Corbett? Yes, sir, it is. What's going on, Nick? Ah, just looking forward to a good chat, man. So, um, yeah. for all my listeners out there, I'm speaking to the legendary singer Bruce Corbett for Rigor Mortis and Warbeast. Bruce, can you give me a short introduction on yourself for my listeners out there? Of course. Uh, Bruce Corbett here. Like you mentioned, I'm from Rigor Mortis and Warbeast, lead singer. And uh, from Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. I think back, like thinking back on the days when the 86 demo came out, what were some of the furthest away places you'd get contact and orders from? Oh, man, that's a good question there, Nick. Uh, I'd be lying if I could remember, but uh, I do, you know, back in those days, the way we had to do things was, uh, you know, sell them at, at the shows ourselves or put them in mom and pop stores or uh what we did was we had to put a little ad in like the fanzines of course this was before internet everything else so you know you'd put a little ad in your address and say send a check or money order to this address so we'd get letters in the mail and and you know we were pretty surprised when we started getting letters from Germany and England and stuff, but I, I can't remember the first, but, you know, it was Europe and stuff like that, so that was a pretty cool feeling for a, a new band back then, you know? Damn. And um, any word on maybe getting that 86 demo or the demo you did for Freaks released maybe later this year? Uh, yeah, actually, man. Uh, we're working on that. As we speak, uh, we're planning on re-releasing the 86 demo in September this year, and we've actually booked a show on September 14th, a re-release show, and that's the actual date that we recorded that thing back in 1986 on September 14th. It'll be the 30th anniversary. So, yeah, good question again, and we're in the works, you know. We're going to probably put out like a thousand. It only came out on cassette back in 86, of course, but so this will be the first time it'll be on CD and on vinyl. Kind of doing a little remix to it, a little remastering. A little, Not much can be done, but we're going to do a little bit and put out a 1,000 copies on CD and limited edition on vinyl, like 300 copies or something. No, and then with the Freaks thing, uh, we still want to do something with it one day, but we decided to uh, do this. 86 demo being the 30th anniversary so maybe next year we'll talk about re-releasing or not re-releasing but releasing the freaks demo with with me on vocals for the first time now like that 86 demo that you did didn't it come with like a small page or two like do you think you're going to uh, be putting that in with the re-release oh wow I don't even think we talked about that. You come out with some good questions yeah. tonight. You know, we're going to add some cool stuff to it, um, you know, vintage pictures and, and things from that, that, you know, time. So, you know, I don't know if we'll go so far as to put the little booklet. That's what we did back then. We couldn't fit all the, the lyrics and information in that little cassettes and the cheap plastic cover we, <laughs> we could afford. So we painted and printed out a little seven-page booklet, stapled it together, and handed it out when you bought a demo with a free sticker, you know? 
But yeah, who knows? We could probably stick something in there that'll uh, have a flashback to that little booklet, you know? Thinking back to 87 when you performed for Rachel Matthews of Capitol Records, what was that day like? Oh, man, I was, uh, I know I was a bundle of nerves. I think we all were. And we knew how big opportunity it was for us. And we had several close calls as far as getting signed to labels and few teases. So, you know, we were just, uh, like I said, totally nervous. Mike had uh, been playing so much, you know, that his hand had swollen up. And I just think that, you know, I remember when we were setting up before anybody got there, we were setting up our gear on stage, and I'm putting down the set list and, you know, putting the mic in my mic chain stand and everything. I, I was shaking. And I remember Harden, our drummer, noticed my hand shaking when I was just trying to hand him a set list or tape it to the <laughs> monitor. And he's like, uh-oh, Corbett's shaking tonight. And I was like, I know, dude, I am freaking out. I'm so scared, you know. But um, that's just because we, we knew it was such an important moment for us and a big opportunity. Now, were you really confident about how you were going to perform that day? Yeah, believe it or not, after what I just said about how scared and nervous I was, and we all were, uh, you know, the band, we practiced so much, and we were as tight as we ever were in our lives from the amount of hours we practiced every week, that I knew we would, you know, be tight and ready as a band. The difference was between that night and some of the other shows is when we were playing at places in some of the clubs and stuff or some of these places that weren't like legal bars or whatever, we were able to bring our own bottles of booze in and we just like treated it like a big party. So we were taking our time on stage, you know, like, hey, I need to make another drink, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, having fun with it. But this night, I do remember, you know, we sort of decided, hey, let's be serious. Let's not take a chance on a fight or something going wrong with the sound system or something, you know, going crazy and affecting the performance so we just rented out a place in a PA and invited our family and friends and um, I just I remember I was pretending like I was on stage at a Texas jam or something like in front of a hundred thousand people and we just nailed the songs went right through them one after the other and didn't mess around we in other words we always had it in us to be a professional band but it just took the right setting and the right importance for it to come out of us. So, yeah, I knew we would do good that night because we were going to be serious, unlike we ever were before. So what was your favorite rigor mortis song at that time, that day that you performed? Uh, uh, well, at that time, I think that was before we had bodily dismemberment and some of those. So I, I still think it was probably at that time slow death. Um, just because I always had fun with the slow part, you know, and Casey rip off the best <laughs> mic, drink me a glass of blood, Harden, prepare to make carcass stew. I love doing that part. It was always a good, good song live too, you know. Well, that's crazy. I was actually just playing Slow Death before you called, so that's that's <laughs> a crazy coincidence. Perfect. Now, 
What was it like the first time you got to visit KNON Radio? Oh, man. <laughs> that was funny. That's another uh, embarrassing kind of moment because we were also scared to death being up there on the radio for the first time, you know. Um, we went up there. We're on the show called Harsh Realm and right after our demo came out. And actually, KNON back then is not like it is now, and it's in a real nice building, professional station. It was just in this old house, and they had turned the upstairs into like a a radio station. And uh, but it was still a scary feeling, you know, when they're like, "All right, after we get back from this commercial, we're gonna start talking to you guys." <laughs> I remember me and Mike were freaking out. So that was it. Just uh, being a young naive band, doing something for the first time getting our songs played on the air for the first time, talking on the radio for the first time. So new to us that we were just, uh, you know, scared idiots, to be honest with you. <laughs> now, were there any radio stations in Texas when you got to do any live performances? Well, we did perform on Kane Wind Live a couple times. That was, a, you know, that's the only station I can remember that we played live on, but... You know, there was a period there when uh, Z-Rock Satellite Radio hit hit the air, and they were based out of Dallas. I think this was one of the first satellite stations. They were based in Dallas, but they were playing in, like, nine different states or something. Started branching out. Z-Rock used to uh, play uh, local bands and unsigned bands, like a, an hour a week or something. And when we got signed, they had us on the air, like we got to be on the air as guests for an hour to promote our album and stuff. So that's about as close as it came. Uh, KON, definitely the only station that supported us from past all the way up until the present. Now, like, thinking about, like, the second movie you're doing in the Welcome to Your Funeral uh, saga, yeah. um, what are some real wild and crazy stories you that fans should be excited about seeing when this movie gets released? Well, <laughs> hopefully they watched and liked the first part, and you can tell that we, we don't hold back on our stories, you know. We didn't want to just share all the good stuff and make us out to be perfect angels, you know. So I can guarantee plenty more coming in part two. And I mean, right after part one ended, a week later I got stabbed in the back like five times at a show at Joe's Garage, Harden, our drummer, got stabbed in the shoulder. So there you go, right after, <laughs> right at the beginning of part two. That's a crazy story right there. And Let's see, uh, I guess when we uh, had our album release show, that same, uh, 88 that summer, me and Harden ended up going to jail that night. <laughs> so, you know, this is the biggest night of our lives. We're celebrating the release of our first album on Capitol Records with all of our friends and family there. And we end up in jail that night, you know what I mean? So there's a couple right there. Um, also, we go all the way to uh, present day as far as we can with the second documentary. And I remember right after we first reunited back in 2005, and a lot of people were wondering if we could pull it off and last and get along and, you know, do better than we did back then when we ended up breaking up and 
splitting the band apart. Well, like after the fourth show in Houston, a big argument broke out between Casey and uh, Mike Scotia, and we pretty much <laughs> they pretty much told each other they never wanted to play with each other again, and, it, and it's over, and it, this reunion is over, and all that. So, oh yeah, no, a lot of people didn't know that. Like after the fourth Rigor Mortis show reunion show, we broke up for the night and didn't get back together until like two hours before we were supposed to perform the next night in Fort Worth, Texas. And showed up, at, you know, we passed things up, last minute showed up at the show, and uh, and uh, we've stayed together ever since. But there's just a few of them right there for you. So a lot of crazy stories to come in part two, I can guarantee that. Now, what kinds of, um, can you, or do you feel comfortable telling any of the, uh, interviews you're going to be putting into the second documentary? Well, like I said, there's still a lot of leftover from the interviews that we'd already had already done. But uh, obviously with the loss of Mike Scotia, you know, back in 2012, and the re- release of the Slaves to the Grave album, some of the people I'd interviewed, <laughs> I had to go back and and, and get some fresh interviews from them. So, I guess what are you? Uh, what was your question? Who's going to be in it? Or, or I mean, I guess yeah. Just name a few new faces. I guess in the second part. Well, we do have some people like you know Sammy and Ben from Goat Whore, and Travis Ryan from Cattle Decapitation. Um, got. Uh, speaking of Kane Wynn, we got Thrash and Allen, who's been doing Kane Wynn metal show for Hard Time Radio for 20 years. And uh, we got Dave Campos, who is the Mosh father of Texas and started a moshing group called the Pit Bulls back in the late 80s. And I'm sure there'll be more surprises that uh, different people appear. And Scott Shelby will be in part two as well and I'm sure I'm forgetting some and I guess um, also footage with uh, Doyle Bright too oh yeah yeah I'm glad you (laughs) of course Doyle yes of course Doyle because uh, you know I get fired in like early 89 and Doyle comes in and we did two albums with him he was in the band couple of years, two or three years, and so that dual bright period will definitely be focused on for a while in part two, and I did luckily get to interview Doyle uh, a few years back, so yeah, good good reminder there, brother. I just, you know, slipped my mind, plus I figured, you know, I can't always figure that everybody knows the rigor mortis story so well, but, Yeah. Um, obviously Doyle will be a big part of the second part. I guess um, this is probably still in the works, but how much footage or, or any do you have completed for the birth of the DFW Metal Underground film? Because I heard about that in a recent interview you did, I think a couple months ago, and it's just trying to see if uh, any sort of new developments or ideas have come into your head since then. Well, the, going back, is it's kind of what we started when we first started getting these interviews back in 2007 and 2008 was to do a story about the birth of the DFW thrash band uh that period 
when the thrash bands like Rigor Mortis and Rotting Corpse and Gamicide, Hammer Witch and Sedition, and all that early wave of thrash, that's when we started filming originally for a documentary, but, uh, you know, always doing so many tours with uh, War Beast and being busy with Rigor Mortis, which is something I could only work on. Yo, Bruce? Hey, man, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for calling back in. Yeah, no problem. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I was, you couldn't hear me, and I was still trying to get your attention. But anyway, um, like I was saying about the birth of the ZFW Underground, we had started doing that, and and then it was just going to be something when we could get around to working on it. But then when Mike died, and I had so much footage from all these interviews, that included rigor mortis. I decided, you know, we should go ahead and do a, a, a you know, documentary about rigor mortis, an in-depth documentary. So we used a lot of this footage that we had shot from the birth of the DFW Underground documentary, and we decided to go ahead and just do that in honor of Mike. Now, hopefully, after we finish part two of the rigor documentary. And who knows, we might be able to do some more documentaries on some of these other bands, in-depth documentaries on some of these other bands I mentioned. Um, if not, one day I would like to try to finish the birth of the DFW Underground, but obviously that's on hold until we finish the rigor mortis. Awesome. Now, you guys contribute a bit to horror-themed events and have made friends with people like, say, Herschel Gordon-Lewis, the dude behind Wizards of Gore. Um, will yeah. he or any other major horror legends be featured in some way or another in the second documentary? Well, I mean, you know, you gave me a good idea just by asking that question. I'd love to get some comments from some of them somehow. Um, I wish I'd have thought of it because just last weekend at Texas Primary Weekend, I was talking to Edwin Neal, of course, from Chainsaw Massacre Park, I mean, the, the original, the hitchhiker. And I've always had an idea to use him in a music video for either, you know, War Beast or Wizards of Gore, Rigor Mortis or whatever. And he's always been, uh, you know, thought it was a great idea. So, I mean, hopefully one day my plan of using Edwin Neal in a music video will come through. But uh, as of now, I don't have any thing lined up to put any of our horror legendary friends in there, but I'm sure hoping that between now and the time we finish the documentary, something could come up to change that. You know, I'd love to get some comments from Matt Neal or uh, Bill Mosley or somebody that's, uh, you know, kind of some connections with uh, Rigor Morris because of the songs we've written about that are based on their movies. So, like, back in the day, like, what were some of your favorites, along with, like, say, Mike, Casey, and Harden's, with, like, your, your insane horror movie collections? Oh, you know, uh, we liked them all at that period. Uh, all the classics, of course, but, uh, you know, ones like, some like Mother's Day and um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Of course, going back to the ones that really got to me when I was a kid, you know, 12-year-old kid, were The Exorcist and Chainsaw Massacre and all those really affected me. But in the 80s, we weren't so many. Um, I could just go on Maniac, 
you know, we all, everybody loves the original Evil Dead, and I'm not throwing out any, uh, you know, rarities. It's, we watch them all, you know what I mean? Um, I don't, I can't pick a favorite. There's so many. I see. Now, you've also been working on a book. Um, do you want this to be looked at kind of like a companion piece to the two movies you're working on, or the uh, the well, two rigor mortis movies? Well, yeah, the book has been something I've been pre- piecing together even since the 80s that I started taking notes and journals on on things that was happening and kind of starting to remember specific events and dates. And then I started writing it actually in the late eight, uh, late 90s. But, um, you know, I think luckily I've been working on this book for so long that it helped me with the documentary, of course, because it was easier to remember all that stuff when I was writing it, you know, so close to when it was happening. So I could go back and remember it, look at my notes from the 80s, and I could go back almost 15, 20 years to my early chapters of my book about Rinder Morris, and a lot of stuff I wouldn't remember now, you know. But luckily I wrote it down then for the book. And uh, I guess it's sort of a, there's, you know, it could be related to the documentary, except that I'll be telling my entire story about other things in my life. And, of course, that includes the Warby story as well. And, you know, other events like, you know, my brother's suicide. Just, uh, you know, so, yeah, a lot of the rigor mortis stories, luckily I had the books and the notes to base it on. But, yeah, the book, you know, about me, so yeah. <laughs> it'll get a little bit. It's not going to be completely about rigor mortis is what I'm saying. You've been spending some time helping out the Texas Musicians Museum. You donate any cool things from your collection? Well, I plan on it. Um, so far, we've had other people donate some really cool stuff to the museum for us, Phil Anselmo being one. And um, we just, I didn't think it was right to honor, you know, rigor mortis or myself right at the beginning since I'm helping with the metal wall. But they keep pushing for us to honor Rigor Mortis and Mike Scotia, so we plan on doing that here pretty soon. And so that's when we're going to be breaking out some of our cool Rigor Mortis memorabilia between me, Casey, and Harden, and, of course, Mike Scotia's family, and uh, honor Rigor Mortis for a, a period there in the museum. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully we'll be able to play when uh, we do that play at the museum. Now, thinking about that, at that museum, do you ever host special events like guest speakers talking or like exclusive concerts and things of that nature? Well, they are starting to do more and more live shows and stuff and have guests. Usually when a band, I don't I don't know it's like getting inducted, but when they are going to be honored on the wall or somewhere in the museum, the band shows up and they sort of make it a big deal. Um, we do have some things in the works. I just can't announce them right now. But, yeah, a lot of big things in store for the Texas Musicians Museum, and hopefully it, a lot of that will involve the metal section as well. Now, where is Warbeast at when it comes to working on the third album? And can you name, like, maybe a few that stand out as some of your favorites? 
Well, I'd say they're probably got about nine or ten songs, the, the music, close to being finished. Um, and so, yeah, we're getting close to having enough of the music ready. And then, of course, my part come in uh, with the uh, vocals and the lyrics and then the guitar solos will come in. They're really working, focusing on the drum parts right now. So nine or ten songs of music, I'm going to start adding more and more lyrics here in the next two to three months until we go in the studio. Um, some of the songs haven't got titles or even lyrics started on yet, of course. But I can, I guess, give you a couple of the songs that I like so far that I do have titles for. And one of them is called Punishment for Gluttony. And then another is called Maze of the Minotaur. And uh, those are two titles right there. And obviously that I've been working on some lyrics for. Right now, a lot of the songs have uh, tentative uh, working titles, you know, that might not, it'll probably change once I get the song completely written. Thinking back to Rigor Mortis, like when it came to the Slaves to the Grave sessions, are there any songs that Rigor recorded that you decided to save for like another release down the road? Oh, I sure wish there were, but no, everything we recorded on the Slaves to the Grave got released, uh, you know. And, you know, the sad thing is we were talking about already, you know, let's do another out next year. And uh, we were, you know, excited when we were back in the studio and once they started writing the songs, it happened so fast that they were like, you know, let's not wait wait too long to do the next one. And by then, we'll really be warmed up. And So, you know, it's a bummer. We still feel like the best album, you know, would have happened if Mike was still here. But no, we don't have any bonus stuff. There was, a, you know, a few things here and there on that Freaks demo or something, man. But, you know... Pretty much everything's been released except that Freaks demo. So, with Wizards of Gore, do you think you guys are going to um, start composing any new song, composing any original songs this year? Well, we're, we're sure hoping so because uh, we didn't know how long it would last or if people would still be interested, but I guess you've noticed by seeing that we're playing here and there that people still are interested in, in seeing us play these rigor mortis songs. And we use the name Wizards of Gore, like you mentioned. But after a while, we like, as much as we love doing it and getting together for memories between me, Casey, and Harden, and remembering and honoring Mike Scotia, we, you know, if we want to keep doing it for years to come, we understand we need to make some new music because... In a way, we are kind of being like our own tribute band. Um, but I don't know if it'll be before the end of the year because of uh, me so busy with upcoming War Beast album. But you never know. Hopefully that we can start getting that underway. And then uh, after I finish the Ritter Morse, I mean the War Beast album, that uh, maybe they'll have some music some new Wizards of Gore music, which obviously won't be an attempt to, to just be exactly like Ritter Morris, even though obviously it's <laughs> got me, Casey, and Harden 
and then Mike Josh's uh, disciple of Mike Taylor on guitar. I'm sure you'll hear some uh, traces of rigor mortis in there. Pretty obvious, you know. Now, what would you say to like the up and coming bands that want to archive their collections to remember them over the years? Because you're such like an amazing person when it came to your collection of all like the rigor mortis memorabilia over the years. So you were able to actually like put forward like a documentary like this. How can how can the people that are uh, out there right now kind of like preserve their stuff? Well, don't take anything for granted. I know uh, I made the mistake early on of thinking, oh, I'll be able to get more copies of that later or whatever. But anything you make as a band, whether it be shirts or stickers or whatever, put a few extra back for yourself. Uh, keep little notes, journals, just for memories. And, uh, of course, make sure the recordings, the demos, the albums, whatever you record are the most important because that's what lives forever. Try to keep track of all your videos, pictures, everything. I mean, it'll it'll sure come in handy later. And life flies by. Before you know it, you're in a band like Rigor Mortis, and here we are talking about a 1986 demo, which is 30 years ago, dude, and that's crazy because I still feel like it was just last year, you know, it went so fast. So, um that's my suggestion, and now, you know, you never know. If you can last that long, you'll be glad you did, because you break out a box one day, 20 years later, and look at all your memories, and, and you might want to make your own documentary about your band, <laughs> like I did. You have anything else you'd like to say? Oh, just uh, appreciate you, Nick, as always. You've always been very supportive of me and Rigor Mortis and, of course, Warbeast and all of the members. And I appreciate everybody out there, all the fans and friends and supporters. And it should be, a, you know, a lot of good stuff to come. I'm not done yet. So got some new music on the way, a new documentary, and a book, book will come out one of these days when I feel like the final chapter has been written. Any final words? Cheers from Texas. You know damn well. Thank you very much, Bruce. Do appreciate it. And likely, either I'm going to be putting the audio up of this in case I can't find a confirmed uh, periodical, whether it be um, a newspaper I'm connected with or a zine that would be down for it. But um, just going to be keeping it offline for a little bit until I figure out what I'm going to do with this, whether it be a, a zine maybe in a periodical I'm connected with, or just releasing the audio for people I to I got hear. you, brother. I know. I know you'll do it the best you can, as always. Okay. Be well out there, man, and can't wait to hear new music from you later this year. Be safe out there, I man. can't wait for you to hear it, too, my friend. I hope to see you down the road. Definitely, man. Find your way to the East Coast, and I'll definitely be hitting up that next show. You know damn well. All right, Nick. Love you, brother. Have a good one. Peace, bro. And that was the legendary Bruce Corbett from Rigor Mortis and Warbeast. As most people, as some of you know, I, I mentioned it in the past, um, it's because of uh, his band, um, Rigor, or, um, Rigor Mortis, as well as Warbeast, and obviously Gamma Side, that I was able to get onto Blabbermouth and then 
got voted by my peers at WMSC from Montclair State University in Little Falls, New Jersey, you know, as DJ of the Year for the 2011 year. So always really look at that as a real kind of like hallowed moment. And um, just all sorts of wild adventures.